Amen. Thank you so much, Kim, and the worship team for leading us. It's actually interesting, uh, as we go continue our study through 1 John, um, this passage has a lot to do with um, uh, love, is the theme throughout, but um, the need for us to have healing in our relationships with other people. And so um, I just thank the Holy Spirit for leading right there in that prayer for uh, healing and that song of healing. Um, let, me just, let me just pray real fast before we get going. God, we just want to pray right now and invite your Holy Spirit to be all up in this place right now, uh, speaking your truth into hearts directly. God, I pray that the word of God would be enough and that uh, if there's anything helpful or useful that you've put in my heart to share right now, that that would be use, useful. But if it's a barrier getting in the way, God, you just do whatever you need. Lord, we just thank you so much for um, this church family and the privilege it is to gather each week and celebrate what you're doing in our life, in, in, the, in the world around us, God, as you continue to build this church and build the kingdom in this, um, in this state, in this city, in this area. God, we just thank you so much for what you're doing and who you are, and we pray that you would move right now and that we would be humbly ready to hear you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are continuing through First John. It is uh, 1 John 2, and I got a whole four verses to talk on, so it'll just take a couple hours, and we'll be right out here. So, you know, push your lunch plans back just a tad, because I only got four verses. No, um, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, click, open, swipe, whatever it takes to get your Bible in front of you, um, because we're going to look at these verses, and hopefully you'll have something. We're going to be flipping through um, these four, and then a couple others in, all, in books all written by John, primarily. Um, and I just want us to have it in front of us as I read it right now. I just want to call your attention, too, on the back of the bulletin. I put some uh, fill-in-the-blank notes, and I wrote those on, like, Tuesday, so they're, like, 80% accurate. So I'll give you blanks as I decided later to skip over things, but I'll make sure you get that whole thing filled out. But if you want to follow along, you can do that as well. 1 John 2, 7 through 11 is where we are today. And so I'm just going to read uh, these quick verses. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. That's confusing. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So, there's some stuff we need to like hammer out even before we get in here because we've got, uh, I'm, I'm not giving you a new command. Oh, but wait, I am giving you a new command, like one sentence later. So we need to like nail that down before we go any further. Um, but I just want to remind us as we go through 1 John the reason why 1 John was written. John is trying to give true Christians tests of authenticity. That's why this whole uh, thing, our, our uh, 
theme is authentic Christianity. We want to know for sure, as followers of Jesus Christ, what does it look like to be a real Christian? What is, what is a true disciple of Jesus going to look like? And First John, and John lays out a whole bunch of them. So this is yet another one here. So we're going to, that's kind of the overall purpose. We can see here that a Christian who is walking in the light, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, will love his brother or sister. So that's kind of like on the surface. But we do have to ask some quick questions here before we get started. And the first one is, what is this command he's talking about? Notice he doesn't just come out and tell us what the command is. Verse 7, dear friends, or it might say beloved, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one. Okay. And verse 8 says, yet I am writing you a new command. So what is the command? He doesn't just come out and say it. Or maybe there's two commands. Is there an old one and a new new command he's talking about? So I just want to really briefly kind of point to what it is he's talking about here in 1 John so that we know the gist. So if you look, uh, he's talking about this command, and then verses 9 through 11, he immediately starts talking about love right? If you truly love me, if, if anyone claims to be in me, it's this love and hate back and forth. So that clues us in that it, it may be the command to love, right? That we're talking, that he's zoning in on, zooming in on. And Major Phil talked about just obedience in general of God's commands last week, and now John's going to zoom in on love. But, and I should say, the, the commandment that this is pointing to is Jesus's command back at the Last Supper, he laid out a new command. And this is it, John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now, now love is not new. That's been around since the dark ages and before. And the command to love is not new all throughout Old Testament, right? That's just been baked into our, the scripture. So that's not it. He says, and here's where it cuts new, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So we're going to look at that verse more later because that's going to be key. But there's one more piece of evidence that will help us know this is specifically talking about Jesus' command to love. And that's in Second John, the next book over, which only has one chapter. And on verse 5, he quotes this new commandment and he says it's not new again. So he's using those same words. And here it is. And now I beg you, lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. So we see again, he sees in the exact same language. So we know the commandment, it, there's only one commandment. In 1 John 2, 7 and 8, it is, it is in some sense old and in some sense new. And that's what we need to get to the bottom of, bottom of. But we know that it is the commandment that Jesus gave, which is to love each other. Love one another as I have loved you. But we still have this new and old going back and forth. Like, how is this new? How is this old? Right? The command of Christian love is both old and new at the same time. Seems to be a contradiction. So how is it new? And this is where we're kind of at a disadvantage because a word in Greek in the Bible will get translated as new, right? And then over here, a different word in Greek will get translated again, and guess what comes out? New. So we just got the same word, and so it just looks like a weird, you're just saying the word new over and over again. But there's these two different words that get translated as new, and it's important to know the difference, right? So, there's one, the first one means new in time, like, hey, I just got a new car, right? It's new to me, brand new car, we understand, it wasn't there before, it's a 2019, new, okay? But then, if I do massive work on that car, and I redesign it, and I reshape it, and I re-put it back into the factory, and I come out over here, and now I have an SUV, okay? It's new, but it's, it's not new, it's, it's new in quality. It's actually, it's like a fresh new take on the automobile, Right? 
And that's what's happening here. It's not the first one. He's not saying, hey, you've never heard this before. You should love each other. Right? That's not what he's saying. That would just be new in time, like I'm giving you this new message. It's not that. It's new as in fresh, redefined. I've reworked it, and now I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to you now new, fresh. So think fresh, right, as opposed to recent. That's, that's the difference there. So John, in, in this book, is reminding us of how Jesus redefined the command to love. And we're going to look, the rest of the sermon today is just going to be looking at those three new, three new ways that he took the command to love and repackaged, rebranded it, and reshaped it, okay? So we're just going to boom, boom, boom right through this, this passage. Three major ways. They're in your notes. Number one, Jesus changed the emphasis of the command to love is now different. So instead of all of history Love and the command to love was just one of the things. There were hundreds and hundreds of laws governing what the priests did, what you did, what the, what the Jews' interaction with other nations were, right? And in there was just the command to love. And Jesus is going to take that and say, nope, love is everything. He's going to pull it out and he's going to say, above all else, love. Love one another, right? You remember that part where he said, they asked him, what's the most important commandment? And he goes, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, right? And then the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, okay? That's, that's what we're talking about here. It's now got a place that is superior to all the others. So we got to go, how can one command be, be head and shoulders above all the other commands, right? And give, scripture gives us the answer. And I want us to look at, at Romans to really see how this works. So we're going we're gonna to read this little passage. Then I want to give you this uh, example of how uh, love fulfills the law. So here's Romans 13, 8 through 10. Listen to this. Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So there it is. Love is now fulfilling all of the law. Remember, that sums up a lot of things. And here he's going to list some commandments off. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he ends with that. Why? Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Right? So if I'm going to love, by definition, I will not murder you. Right? If love is going to govern me, then I'm not going to covet your things because I want what's best for you and I love you. Love all of a sudden sums up and, and in total covers over all of the law. Here's, here's the example. Um, did you know that it's illegal to neglect your children? That's a thing. It's like written down. Someone has it on a law book that says you can't neglect your children. But that is not what gets me out of bed every morning to take care of my kids, right? There's a law there. So that would be weird if like we wake up and my wife's like, honey, you got to get out of bed, get ready to go to work because we don't want the cops to show up. And I'm like, yeah, you should get the cereal bowl out and get some clothes on them because we don't want to come and get, you know, get arrested. You know? and, and she's like, man, boy, I'm so glad there's a law. Otherwise, we'd be in bed all day long. <laughs> right? that's, that's ridiculous, but it illustrates the point that, that I am not loving my children because there's a law out there that says don't neglect your kids. Right? And so what, what is it that gets me out of bed and what makes us not make stupid decisions when it comes to our kids? Love. Even on the days we don't really feel like it, right? Love motivates us to get up and feed them. Not like they'd let us not do that, but, you know. 
They're going to force that no matter what, love or not. So doing, doing the right thing is, a, is not a matter of the law. It's a matter of love. And that's super important here. It's a new motivation. So Jesus has raised this up and he's changing now all the law. He's summing it all up. So that's how love fulfills all those things. And here's what's weird. Listen to this. Love for God and for others motivates a person to obey God's commandments that we learned about last week without even thinking about them. If I want someone's best and I want to love them, I'm not going to steal from them. I don't have to go through, oh man, that's right, what am I supposed to not do today? I'm not supposed to steal from this person. I definitely don't want to kill them. I don't, you know, I just, we walk around with God's love flowing through us and these things just happen. I'm not having to, you know, keep the law. It's like this huge list of things and I missed one. Love will cover them all. It will fulfill the law. So that's the first thing. Jesus, he changed the emphasis and he made it all about love. Our standing before God is no longer a checklist right? It's no longer this huge list. He summed up all of that garbage with this one thing, love God with all your heart and soul and mind, and then love others. And he did more. He's going to change a little more, so hang in there. So that's the first thing. Number two, he changed the example, okay? Jesus came along, and he changed the example of what love looked like. So now 1 John 2, 8, now we're seeing that the truth of this, this new command is found in Jesus. Here's verse 8. I am right, oh, and in us, I am, writing, I, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, Jesus, and in you, those who believe, right? So I'm going to give you the blanks. Is there a slide for the blanks that I am skipping? How, I think it says how he loves and who Jesus loved or something like that. Uh, maybe there's not a slide. But just know when you're in your bulletin, it says how and who. Those are the t- first two blanks. And the third one is Jesus' is example. Something, the blank is example. So I want to jump over to, there it is. Jesus is our example. John 13, because there's just this picture when he actually gave the disciples this new command to love, right? And this is where he redefined it, and now the example of love is himself. And, I, and we need to see this. So we, for just context sake, sake, just in case it's been a while since you've heard about the Last Supper, Jesus got done, they're having this Passover meal up in this upper room, and he just got done, Jesus, God, right, the master rabbi just got down and washed all the disciples' feet, right? Huge sacrificial show of love and service, right? And he, so he, he just did that. We don't have time to talk about that, but that just happened. And then Judas just popped up and ran out the back door, and all the other disciples are like, what just happened? He's still got food on his plate, so they're still reeling from that. And then Jesus lays this little nugget on them. And this is John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Remember when they got to the love one another place, they'd be like, you just said it was going to be new. That's super old. We know that already. But then he follows it up with this. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, now we might read that and think of the cross, right? But they didn't. That has not happened yet. In fact, they, they, were not cons- they were not thinking the cross was coming. Jesus is thinking hours into the future of the cross. But you know what they were thinking? They were thinking back to some portion over the last three years where Jesus loved them well. Right? He's pointing to him as the example. And he's saying, remember all those things I did? The way I loved you? Love like that. Right? So he could have called them out. Jesus could have said, hey, Matthew, you remember when I found you? You were a tax collector. Everyone hated you. You were completely despised. And you were an embarrassment to your family. Right? But did I let that stop you, me? No, I came and I asked you to follow me anyway. Matthew, I want you to extend that kind of grace to every single person you meet. 
right? And he could have gone down the table and been, Nathaniel, you remember what you told, you said when you first heard about me? Can anything good come from Nazareth, right? You dissed me, my town, my family, my friends. Like, that's like saying something horrible about, about where you are, where you came from. And he's like, did I let that stop you? I invited, stop me, I should say, I invited you anyway, Nathaniel. I want you to sow that kind of grace and love to everyone you meet as I have loved you. And he could have turned to them all and said, guys, you remember when I gave that crazy hard speech about eating, you know, my flesh and drinking my blood and every single one of you considered leaving me? Disciples were leaving in droves, right? And you all were wondering, wow, is this the rabbi we should be following? That is crazy hard teaching, right? Jesus could have said, I I could have deserted you. You know you deserved it right? And he doesn't. He says, I didn't. And then he turns to him. He says, do unto others as you have seen me do. Love others as you saw me love, right? So now the standard is changed. And he could have added, and if you think you've seen something crazy so far, buckle up, because you ain't seen nothing yet. Like, <laughs> give me a couple hours, and I'll show you some love, right? Like that, that you didn't even know yet. So the Old Testament asked us to base our love for others on our own standard of fairness, right? The golden rule. Love, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Do unto others as you want them to do back to you. How we want to be treated is the way that we should treat others. That was the Old Testament idea. And Jesus said this was the greatest commandment. He said to love your neighbor as yourself, the golden rule. But then here he's taking it up a level. Now he's like, gold, cool. This is the platinum rule, right? Jesus gives us a new, better command, one that's not based on you or me. Now the example, the standard of love is Jesus and the love he showed us, right? So he changed the emphasis, he changed the example, and then right after he said that, he goes, not only should you love this way, but then he says, verse 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So it's going to be a mark of the way we live now, right? This, this is why John is using it later as an authentic test, an authenticating test of our own walk with Jesus, So, that's the new standard. Platinum rule. Love your neighbor as Jesus loved you, not as you want to be loved, right? Or you think you should love or whatever. Jesus is the standard. And that takes us to the third and final way that we're going to, final thing we're going to cover today. Jesus changed the experience. So now, 1 John 2, just the last three verses, 9, 10, 11. So this illustration of light and dark that we've seen before is going to continue. If a Christian walks in the light, as N is in fellowship with God, he will also be in fellowship with others in God's family. So love and light go together just like darkness and hate go together. And, and do you remember how many times uh, in Major's talk or his, his message last week where it said, if anyone claims, if you claim this, if you, if you claim this, right? It was like, I don't know, four? I can't remember. But it was many times it kept saying, if you claim to follow Jesus Christ and you don't live this, then it's not real. If you claim, if you claim this. Well, here we've got one in our section, and here it is. And it's pretty much John's just saying, look, talk is easy. So easy. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister, they're still in the darkness. Right? So it's possible to claim all you want. No, 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 no. I love God. I love Jesus. I follow him. He's my light. I walk in the light. Right? And then, and then you go and you live differently. And here's this quote. I, it'll be on the screen. It is impossible to be in fellowship with the Father and out of fellowship with another Christian at the same time. Ooh. Ooh. This is Warren Wearsby. He's an author, pastor, commentator guy. He says, This is one reason why God established the local church. 
one reason, as many, the fellowship of believers. You cannot be a Christian alone. A person cannot live a complete and developing Christian life unless he is in fellowship with God's people. And that, that's just so good. If, if we don't have other brothers and sisters in our community, in our sphere of influence, then how can we even do this? How can we even obey? This, is a, this may be the most radical shif- shift that Jesus brought. This is the vertical shift of us and God to us and people. And I'm gonna, we're going to look at that right now. And here's the first, here's the little, I feel like it's a blank in your thing. Worship is worthless without love for others. Worship is worthless without love for others. And, and we got to see this um, in this last point here. In the Sermon on the Mount, I don't know if you remember, but Jesus totally redefined what worship looked like. Their entire system of worship was built on a lot of sacrifices, right? This, this uh, making atonement for their sins, the making the relationship right with God involved a lot of doing stuff. You had to, you know, haul an animal down to a place that was very specific, and then they would handle it properly, and then that would be your worship, and your sins would be atoned for. But Jesus says, let's say you're doing that, and you're in the middle of worshiping God, and you remember, oh, Someone has something against me. You're supposed to stop what you're doing, leave that, and go and make it right, and then come back to the altar and continue to worship God. See, and, and we just think, oh, whatever, I'll just, you know, text them real quick and be like, ah, oh, forgive me, you know? These people would, you gotta remember, Jews would, we, they would go to the temple one, maybe twice, once, maybe twice a year. So you gotta picture, you know, long lines, super hot weather, you know, tired children, unruly animals, right? And then they realize, and, and, and Jesus' disciples, they were from Galilee. That is three long, hot days of walking. This is not air-conditioned driving to town, you know? This is a long time to walk there, right? And so he's saying, you're in the middle of that. And, and, they're, and they're thinking, whoa, you expect me to leave my spot in line and go back home and go find some unhappy camper who has something against me? You know, like, no, I'm going to make it right with God first, and then I'll go, right? You wouldn't want me to stop this relationship to go make this right, right? Like, is that, is that really Jesus was saying? Did Jesus really mean to imply that reconciliation with a brother or sister is more important than reconciliation with God? Woo. Here's, the, here's what I put in there. Horizontal should take precedence over vertical. Our worship, our relationship with God depends on us living at peace as best as, it's, as long as it's up to you with people around us, loving others well, right? We can't just pretend like all is fine and I've got this thing going on for months with this person and I got anger in my heart for them and I am not forgiving them, right? But oh God, you are amazing, right? Like we can't have that. This is, this is such a shift they, they were all about the vertical, and, and the, the horizontal would come last and later and maybe, right? Love the Lord your God first, and then I'll love others. And this was a huge shift. And just in case you think this has just popped up once or twice, I'm going to really quickly end by showing you 1 John 3 and 5. 3, 10, and chapter 5. Here's, here's 1 John 3. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Here it is. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. Brother and sister. So it's, how will they know if I'm loving God? If I love my brother and sister. And you jump over to chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. You can't love the Father 
and not love his children, the people of God, right? And love others in general as well. And here's just this little sentence. I tried to like sum it up and then I got easier. Love for God is best demonstrated and authenticated by love for others. And then that's confusing and dumb. So I said this, we love God by loving others. Like that's how simple it is. We love God by loving others. We serve God by serving others. This is, this is the priority. This is, it, it's raised above everything else, love. It's the example now, Jesus, in spite of people who, who were in their sin and rebellion, he came and lived a life and loved them well. That's why we skipped that, who he loved and how he loved. But you read the Gospels about how he loved while he was on earth. And then he went to the cross and died for us in the midst of our rebellion, right? So then he gave us that example. And then our experience of love is there's this, this, this priority and emphasis now on the way that we love each other. So huge. And so I just want to, I'm, I'm going to close. Um, I'd like to have uh, Mickey or Worship just play something. Um, but we have these three things, and the theme for me as I was going through this, it started to focus for me personally on reconciliation with other believers. And so, just as we, we close in prayer and we start to, we just like wrap up, the thing that, that kept coming out for me, I, I had to write some emails this week um, because there were relationships in my, my life that were not right. And I, and I was struggling. I, I was unaware of them, I should say, until the Holy Spirit convicted me. But like we have got to, sometimes we just need to stop and go, Holy Spirit, right now, I need you to speak to me about where I might have the focus wrong. Like, I'm, I'm doing all the religious things, these things that look like worship and that I feel like are important, and yet I'm living over here in ways that are not, are contrary to what I'm saying I believe with the people I'm right around, right? And anyone who lives that way, the light's not in them. Like, it, we have to go back and remember that this is, we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. John is essentially saying, look, if you're a Christian, it's not like a philosophy. You can't just believe this and live however you want. It's not how Christians are. If you really want to be changed and regenerated, two things are going to be true about your life that we've learned just from, from Major's message and then the one today. Number one, you're going to obey God's commands. And number two, you're going to love the Christian, your, your Christian brothers and sisters. Two things. Two tests right off the bat. Boom, boom. Right at the beginning of this chapter. You're going to, you're going to obey God and you're going to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you feel like, like, you've hit a rut or there's a barrier between your relationship and God, it may be time to stop. And is there, is there forgive, or unforgiveness? Are there, are there relationships that, you know, I forgave them, but not really like Jesus forgives. I like, it's still in there and constantly keeps coming back up. It's a thing. Every time I look at them, I'm like, ah, wow, I must have really forgiven you, right? It's just constant in my, my head and my heart. We may need to let that go and do whatever it takes as far as it's up to you, right? We, we've, we know there's, there's circumstances where we can't, there's forgiveness is a, is a thing that might not happen. They might not accept it. They might not be around anymore. The situation may not warrant certain things, but have we done everything it takes on our part to forgive them? Um, and, I, and I said, I had to write some emails just asking for forgiveness um, this week. And there are still uh, relationships I'm aware of that need more work, that need more prayer and time to, to heal. And that may be something for you as well. But just remember, it is impossible to be in fellowship with the Father and out of fellowship with another Christian at the same time. It's impossible. 
Let's pray. God, we just pray that you would um, speak to us now. We, we genuinely want to be open before you. We want all the distractions and the, the busyness of the last week and the one that's coming and all the rest of today to just be removed so we can hear your Holy Spirit's prompting about relationships or situations where we're not trusting you, we're not, we're not living um, with love being the motivation of everything we do. God, there's, there's areas of our life and our heart that desperately need to be remade by your love. God, I pray that through, through this whole passage is not it's not a passage of striving. Like, we need to, we need to try harder to love people. No, it, this still, everything we've said before is true. It still flows from a loving union, a loving relationship with you, God. That's the relation that, that, relationship that dumps love in us. And, I, and God, so I just pray that these relationships with other people, they, they would be able to see your love flowing through us. It would be the result of us just being in your presence. That's just the fruit of the Spirit at work in our life. Okay, it's not about trying harder or making these relationships work on our own power. We desperately need you to show up. So God, whatever it is that we need to do um, this week with people who are working and, and living right around us to make the relationship right, unity in the family of God is so important. So I just pray that we would do whatever it takes and not allow Satan to have even a little foothold this week, this month, this summer. God, we're praying for you to have full reign over our life, even when it's hard. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.